0: back to the Change Physician Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa Cady, joined by my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, with our returning guest, Dr. Caleb Redden. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's a privilege to be back.
0: Awesome. Well, of course, we had to come back to this topic about how to stay fit or become fit as a physician. We kind of dove into it just a little bit, but I guess the question I have for you just starting off is just, let's just lay it out there. What is your, your belief, or we don't have to have exact numbers, but I think we all kind of have a gestalt about this, but what percentage of physicians do you feel like are fit out there?
1: Oh, uh, it's dismal. <laughs> like, it's five you
0: know, percent or
1: <laughs> probably, minority. Um, you know, that are, if we're just going by national standards, okay, so like this isn't a This is just objective. So, you know, the recommendation from Surgeon Generals, which I don't agree with, but these are the recommendations, Um, you know, five days a week with 45 minutes of moderate vigorous activity and a BMI under 25 for men, under 27, 28 for women, Um, physicians that meet those basic objective requirements for uh, fit, which... I'm going to get back to the definition of fit in a second, but it's probably, it's well under, well under half. I mean, I probably would say 30%, 30 to 40%. And usually, at least I find the people who are fit, the physicians who are fit are often endurance athletes. So they enjoy cycling, swimming, running, hiking, tennis, golf, those type of things. I think if you look at the number of physicians who lift weights uh, or do resistance training is probably even less. Uh, I think that in general, for years and years, I think that in the medical community, there was almost a, a derogatory viewpoint of heavy lifting, like that it could create too much damage or it was problematic. But I think I think the pendulum is starting to shift a little bit more and people are understanding and recognizing that resistance training plus So anaerobic plus aerobic fitness are absolutely the best ways to maintain optimal health and fitness. And the definition of fitness truly is more than just being lean, because just being lean does not mean you're fit. Just being obese does not mean you're unfit. So, you know, everybody's body composition is not, the outward appearance is not the the inward expression of the engine, right? So to be fit, there's way more to it than just how you look. It's how your heart and lungs are working, how your pancreas, your insulin response is working, what your metabolism is doing, what type of lean muscle mass are you carrying, what's your bone health, what's your cartilage health, all those things lead to an overall level of fitness. So if you're, you know, if you're a super big, strong, muscle bound person, but your VO2 max is abysmal, you're not fit, right? Like that's not a, that's not a longevity uh, plan. But then again, if you're a super, super lean endurance runner and you have osteoporosis in your early 40s because you have zero bone mineralization because you just don't do enough resistance exercise, that's not great either. So I would say it's unfortunately a very, very low number of people who kind of meet the basic standards for fitness in the physicians, at least least it seems like to me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up – you know, from a definition of like what is fit, that that was kind of where I wanted to go with that. And and bringing up how people look, it's it's quite interesting. Even uh, they call it TOFI. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, thin outside. Oh, see, thin outside, fat inside. Fat inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they did CT scans of people and showed the percentage of their fat, even though they were looked thin on the outside. <clears throat> and I know, um, just from personal experience and how people's perception, I know when I'm in more, in better shape, and you've talked about that in the previous interview, like you've had these ebbs and, you know, ups and downs in your fitness levels. And I I sensed it, knew it as well when I was going through these changes and people on the outside, sometimes when you were probably maybe the unhealthiest or weren't your fittest, people perceived you because of sometimes just a certain look that you are super fit. And so it, it can be very... Um, uh it can really distract you just the visual aspect of it of course you can see muscles and and whatnot but if people are putting bad fuel in them all the time and um those are things that i think people um underestimate um, yeah kevin
2: uh, i'm just sitting here thinking and i'm kind of thinking about the audience and i kind of kind of want to make sure that we're clarifying a couple things because there sure. seems like two kind of lenses you can look at this there's a prevention focus lens and then there's a promotion and optimization lens and, Absolutely. and we kind of need to make sure because so, prevention is, is like, you know, when you're looking at standards, they're generally, this is what you need to do. That's like the low bar. This is what you need to do that has been associated with uh, lesser risks of cardiac death and, um, you know, less, uh, less transition to metabolic syndrome and stuff like that. But then on the other side, there's the optimization kind of lens, which I think maybe is what you're focused on a little bit about caleb is because just because you're meeting the minimum doesn't mean that you are progressing to what your optimum can be absolutely and and i and so i i just want to make sure that we start maybe we start with the you know what can you do as a minimum just to make sure that you're kind of staying at a baseline and then when we can move into how can we optimize that like once you've already started establish this habit which some people may not have i mean uh medical school residency life kids Gets crazy. Uh, and we all have the same number of hours in the day, but sometimes people forget that and, and lose them somewhere. Um, but move from that prevention to, and then how could you then start from that kind of foundation into an optimization program?
1: Yeah. I think that you're, you're, you're spot on. Like there's a big difference and in the world of the world that I live in, I sort of, I have a foot in each end of the pool. Right. So I have, I have, high-level, elite-level athletes that come and see me for human optimization and performance optimization, and they are high achievers. And, you know, I'm taking care of that group of people, and then I'm also on the other end trying to work with people to just, just change the lifestyle to be healthier, right? So improve your physical fitness to improve your overall health. And those two worlds at some point, like the Venn diagram, at some point they overlap a little bit, but on both ends of the spectrum, it can be very deleterious to your health. I mean, I've got runners who are, are, um, you know, runners, well, I don't want to single out any one type of athlete, but, you know, each athlete comes with their own inherent risks. So runners end up with stress fractures, female athlete triad, relative energy deficiency in sport, you know, the performance anxiety, like they take it way too far. To one side of that spectrum right you know or power lifters who are so big and so strong that they're blowing up tendons you know what i mean or their their um, their cholesterol levels and their cbc like their blood panels are a wreck but they look amazing they're huge right and then i've got the other end of the people who are you know who are incredibly unhealthy and i'm just trying to get them to move just trying to to work on limiting sugary drinks and just you know there's a huge disparity between the two but i really hope that that the medical world and the fitness world eventually evolve and become just one avenue and maybe there's it's a spectrum so it, it, you know not everybody wants to be an elite olympian but everyone should have the goal to be active and healthy and i think that i'm trying to play in both worlds and bring those together but i think that you make a really good point that you know we all have 24 hours in a day it's up to you how you spend those hours. Time is a funny thing. It's the most expensive currency that we have, right? There's no there's no refunds, there's no exchanges. You are allotted a finite amount and once you've cashed it in, that's it. That's it. You get a finite amount, that's it. So how you choose to spend it is of critical importance. And as I'd mentioned before, it doesn't take 6 hours a day to be physically fit. You know, maybe if you want to be on one end of that spectrum, you might require more time, but just be physically active and physically fit in order to be preventative. It requires um, less global time in your 24-hour day, but it requires consistency. So I think you know, especially with like medical school, residency, fellowship, work, family life balance, there will definitely be some requirement for sacrifice in order to put some of that time away towards the benefits from preventative, you know, health uh, habits. And um, I really think it comes down to a couple of very simple key points: planning. If you don't have a plan, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Old cliche, but it's true. You have to plan for it. You have to prepare for it. And that takes a little bit of time and getting your meals ready, getting your workout ready. You know, looking at your schedule for the day. You have to commit to it because. Commitment and dedication are gonna outweigh motivation and inspiration 10 out of 10 times. You're gonna wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. You're not gonna have motivation and inspiration. But then consistency, like it just has to be consistent. Choices that are made daily lead to yearly changes. And then you have to be willing to make accommodations to overcome adversity because there will be adversity. There's gonna be days where surgery goes longer than expected, you're in the OR longer than you thought, which shortens up your day. We're dealing with that today, right? But those are some very key components that, no matter what end of that spectrum that you're on, whether you're human optimization or just preventative, um, and trying to improve health, those those key elements, I think, are are global across the board important.
0: Yeah, you know, speaking of these, you know, ideas of being pl- <clears throat> you know, planning and 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 really um, preparing things. Um, I, I guess I always try to remember, I tell people that they should put it on their to-do list. Most people have a little to-do list and I've always put W slash O, like that's my, <laughs> it's it's on there. Like it it's, it's gotta be checked. And, and more times than not, I'm doing it um, on my to-do list. And it's always at the very, at the top of that list. But, but there's also that, um, being creative because of the adversity or challenges that come through the day. Um, Accommodations. Yeah. You accommodate what's going on. And, and for me, if I do have a long day, maybe I decide I'm going to convert it into time with my husband walking in the neighborhood. It may not be the same kind of workout, but I'm going to, you know, get two things done at once, spend some quality time with my husband, and he gets some exercise with me, um, you know, so that that's one way that you can adapt it, and may not been my initial plan, um, or I can shorten it with more intensity, and not have as long of one, or I can go into the workout with just the intention of doing five minutes, and we all know you start doing five minutes, and most of the time, you can do something more than that, and you'll actually have a little more energy to do something else, um, but any hacks, you know, as far as you know the adaptability part—the things that people can do to, because the consistency is the most important. It requires that adaptability because not every day is the same. Are the little things that you tell people that help them with just moving and and doing something with consistency?
1: Yeah, I think that a big part of it is um, your reason why. I think that's where it starts. Why, you know, as a physician you understand or or I think that most physicians understand most people in healthcare understand that physical activity is important. Yeah. They understand that fuel is important. They may understand that while they're sitting in a line at a fast food restaurant, (laughs) getting their quick, you know, bag of choke and puke because they didn't prepare meals. They didn't have the time to get the things or they're at the carb tray in residency because they are working 28 hour shifts and they're tired and the went longer than they expected. And so they're there and they're eating donuts. Cause that's all that's available. Right. Or they didn't, uh, they didn't get their workout in because the, you know, they ended up being late at work and the gym closed. Right. So I think the understanding why you're doing it helps because when you, when you have a good reason why you're trying to be fit and trying to exercise, it makes it easier to accomplish the goal. So understanding why you're doing it, doing it for your family, doing it for your health you know, whether it's aesthetics, you want to look different um, you got a wedding coming up or a cruise coming up, or, you know, you set some goal, like there's some reason that you're trying to maintain that accountability. That's important. I think that the small, the small changes that I make are to bring your workout with you, especially for physicians, because you, you, your schedule is not always going to be, you know, just when you look in the morning and you see, I've got these patients to see today, something happens and you end up staying longer at the office than you expected, or the surgery goes longer than you expected. or We all understand that that's what our lives are like. So bringing your workout with you. So, um, you know, rubber bands are easy to throw in your bag and you can get a full body workout with one rubber band, um, or, or walking around and finding heavy things to lift. Like there's The water jugs, every, every clinic I've ever been to has a water jug um, fountain thing, you know, like the, the big Culligan water jugs, those are five gallons worth of water. That's heavy. You can do a whole workout with just one of those water jugs, right? (laughs) Pandemic, pandemic pump right there. Um, So I think being, uh, being insightful and understanding, I need to take some equipment with me, even if it's just that I got a jump rope. And I'm going to spend the next 90 seconds doing as many, you know, skipping a rope as much as I can. Like, cause there's going to be days where your workouts just aren't going to be, there's not going to be as much time for it just because of the other requirements that you have. And you don't want to sacrifice other things like family time, some, you know, or whatever it may be to get that in. So being able to, so bring your workout with you. Um, Take the stairs in the hospital. Every hospital I've ever been to has stairs, take the stairs, do 15 minutes stairs, And at least you're getting something in there. So I I try to tell people don't skip, like even if you feel like you've only got 10 or 15 minutes, even 90 seconds has been proven 90 seconds of vigorous activity, even sporadically through the day has been shown to improve your metabolic profile to improve insulin resistance or insulin response. And you know, it's beneficial. There's tons of different physiologic um, improvements that come from that. So even 90 seconds is worth it. So don't skip it. And if you have to bring it with you, I think that learning how to multitask is also really important. So, you know, in medical school, you you uh, you need to study, right? So, bring your lectures with you, put them in your head, so that you're listening to lectures while you're working out, or while you're going for a walk, or you know, with your husband, you're you're multitasking. A lot of times, that's required in in the in the day of a physician because we have so many things. I mean, I think it's great to. Uh, one of my partners dictates all of his clinic notes. I can't do this because I, I can't remember as well as he does, but he'll, he'll finish and he will go for a bike ride or a walk and he'll dictate all of his notes. And so he's actually exercising while he's doing his notes. And so he's multitasking. I can't do that. I have to sit down and, and look at all the, you know, the little notes I've taken during the day. So I make sure you get everything right, but finding ways to multitask is really critical.
0: Yeah. I'd like to add to that too, about bringing your workout with, with you. Um, some of the the things that really help you not make excuses when you know you have a good why. Um, I put my workout clothes in my trunk and sometimes a couple sets of them. And so I never have an excuse or anything, (laughs) you know, now I work out mainly at home or in the neighborhood. So it's a little different, but, um, anything that creates, um, it, it doesn't allow you to make the excuses. Um, and we all Mm -hmm. make them at times. And the other thing I think is physicians and, and, maybe I'm the only one, but there's days where you feel like, you know, I worked hard and, you know, I deserve to take a day off or I, you know, I feel like, you know, I, this is a day I'm going to just like, just coast and I don't feel like it, or I deserve, you know, to have that time off. There's moments like that, where you, (laughs) you realize that sometimes we, we, our brain and our mind get in the way and, um, you you kind of have to get in a in a habit of just going and showing up, um, and not letting that that kind of narrative start seeping in. Um, if you feel like you just worked your butt off and you need to you know not <laughs> go work out, um, yeah. there's it's just a lot. I think there's a lot of uh, mindset, and I'm sure you can agree that sometimes that can be our worst enemy.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kevin.
2: Yeah, I'm hearing a bunch of different things here and um, I'm trying to pull out some like critical factors, right? So I want to rehone in like one thing that you said, Caleb, in your, in your first interview, which I think is important to emphasize is you're, you're fit, but you also have found ways to compress your workout and be consistent with your workout. So you're not fit because like you said, you're working six hours a day. You're six. You're, you're fit because you've optimized your day with your workout, meaning you if i'm remembering correctly you work out about an hour a day which mm-hmm. is not like an astronomical sum like people can generally figure out or at least carve out one hour per day and say this is the hour that i'm going to work out now that hour may shrink or grow and that and that comes into that adaptability profile but really, is that planning is identifying when is your optimal time to exercise and then making sure that that optimal time fits your schedule as well as your personality profile. Because, you know, some people are morning people. Like, um, there was a time, like, I'm probably a leap bit out of anybody in this thing, guys, on the, you know, who are watching this here. So I'm listening to this going, what do I need to know? These guys are like, oh, this is, you just need to have this and da, because they're pros. Me being the basic guy. Um, something (laughs) but there's a time like when you're like if you have a problem with the why or willpower a lot of times is you this going to be the first thing in the morning so you get it out of the way Mm -hmm. so that you don't think about it because if you are a procrastinator like maybe some of us are and you say well i'll do it in the afternoon all of a sudden the excuses come up so it comes to plan that particular hour in the morning um or like you did was lunch i'm assuming lunch was probably an optimal time for for you to exercise but when when is it at your peak the other thing that both of you have said um, or suggested, which I'm just going to kind of align it with, with kind of what the, the, the research says is about preloading decisions, is this planning part is if you actually say, and this has actually been demonstrated if you write it down, when it's blank, I will blank. That preloads the decision, which has been shown to have um, about a 50% increase in behavioral modification simply by using that statement. And because what you've done is you know preloaded, so being able to identify when it's lunchtime, I'm going to exercise. That would be one other thing that you can add into it. And then the adaptability portion, uh, both you guys both, you know, we have to be planning on an adaptability. I'm thinking, okay, well, if you have this normal workout that you're doing, you're going to say, well, at lunch I'm going to do. X on the treadmill plus this. I'm gonna, you know, do three lifts that are gonna cover my body. And then if you find that 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 time has been winnowed down because of duration in the OR, those long surgeons that you know you can't hurry them up and they can't get any faster for you, or clinic or someone in clinics coming late, then the adaptability comes as you still have that hour. It's like well, if I only have a half an hour, what can I do in the space? Because something is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. And then the last part. Caleb, you were mentioned about taking the stairs, and that brings in this idea of, of, of neat therapy, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, where it's just increasing little pieces of activity throughout your course of your day, taking the stairs instead of the elevator, walking instead of, I'm trying to think of something from your, you know, parking farther in the parking lot yep. than close to the thing. And those are all little teeny pieces that each and every one of us can adapt, no matter what your fitness level, and moves you on that pathway.
1: I think that that's what saved me in residency. I I think first and second year, I mean, uh, third year and and fellowship were a little bit different because the, you know, it's a little bit, uh, you you have a a little bit more control over your schedule than your residency. But in first and second year of residency, like there were definitely days where my entire workout was literally just walking up and down the stairs in the hospital. 10th floor and back 10th floor and back. And I mean, I just had to be okay with like, that's as as good as I can do today. It's the best I can do today. It's 100% effort. And it's the best I can do today. Tomorrow, I might have a better day. The day after that, it might be worse. But today, I'm going to give my level best. And it might just be doing air squats at every platform and doing stairs, you know, taking a shower and changing my scrubs, got my beeper on my side, like, you know, I think absolutely that that principle of non-exercise thermogenesis is critical. And and people you, you have to make a conscious decision to do that, because if it seems hard, you should do it. If it scares you, you should do it. If it seems uncomfortable, you should do it. Com- comfort and complacency are are the uh, that's the, the sword in the heart of of improvement.
2: Yeah. But, and then just listen to you talk again, I'm I'm kind of struck at you, both of you guys are avid exercisers and have been for a number of years. Like you're both, I think you both had fitness careers before you went into medical school. Yeah.
0: Eight weeks of <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like the competition stuff or well, you, trainers? Were, you were
2: in competition, but was that before medical school or after medical school for, for you? That
0: was after okay. medical school.
2: Okay. But I knew you had something beforehand as yeah. well. So you guys have this consistency already and and, uh, and again noticing how you talk as as people who are well honed exercisers, what I'm what I'm reflecting is you're saying when, when difficulties come up it was always, how could I fit in a workout? How could I adapt the workout? Which is very different from somebody else who may be saying, why can't I work out or this is a difficult day to work out. There's too you know, mm-hmm. what, what the things that are in the way of me getting a workout and the, the phrasing, of the question sounds so silly, but you know how the brain wants to answer the questions. It's fed and if you say, how could I get a workout in today? Or how can I adapt my workout time? Your brain's going to supply a much different answer than saying you know why can't i work out well of course you can't work out because you got this and you got this and you got this and you got this i'm such a great brain i'm helping you out here <laughs> no yeah. that's the wrong stuff but you gave it the wrong food you shouldn't feed that stuff into your brain yep.
0: yeah that's an all-or-nothing mindset that is very i think very um constrictive and i think the this whole idea of it's almost like an avoidance of pain. (laughs) Um, And it is all about how you're perceiving the experience. And that's an incredible important thing, including the why that, you know, Caleb was talking about. If you, if, if you're trying to find every excuse possible, instead of adapting, it's just like someone getting injured, you know, they injure their foot and they feel like it's, I can't do anything to exercise now. It's like, well, that, that's very restrictive mm-hmm. kind of mindset. Are you going to say something?
1: Yeah. I. Well, I, I, it's interesting. that I have this conversation with patients so often. Um, yeah. so, so you think I should probably stop exercising, right, Doc? Because I got this. Or, yeah, I probably ought to not do anything now, right, Doc? Because I got this. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me write you a book about why you're not going to quit exercising. We're going to make some accommodations, and you're going to overcome this. But I, my shoulder's in a sling. I'm like, what's your other arm doing? <laughs> well, it's fine. Exactly. So what we're going to do is, and I, I mean, I go through that conversation with patients every single day. And, and I think it goes, it goes with, with colleagues and physicians too. Like, I mean, you stubbed your toe, you can still do a hand bike, right? You mm-hmm. can still do lateral raises. You can still, I mean, there's all these things, right? So if there's a will, there's a way. And if there's an intention, there's going to be, I mean, you decide, excuses or results you decide and and um whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can you're right and so (laughs) changing that that viewpoint of instead of how can i work out today it's like how can i not like what do i have to change in order to make this make this happen and i think that you know for perhaps for melissa and i like working out and exercise is is a a hobby is a, a lifestyle is you know um something we enjoy doing so like on a Friday night, I would rather go to the gym than go to the movies or go to a fancy restaurant. I would much rather go slumming around with my meathead buddies at, at uh, <laughs> you know, at the gym on Friday night than than go to a, a ballet or something like that, right? So it's something that I enjoy doing. So that makes it easier for me, right? So people think, Oh, because you like it, it's easier for you, but there's way that that's not the case. Like we still have the same constraints, 24 hours, other responsibilities. It's not easier. It just becomes more of a priority for me. And I think that another thing that people under, misunderstand is fitness exercise is definitely important. Uh, it's, it's a huge component of being fit, but a, an even larger part is, you know, the holistic approach to fitness, which includes the fuel, the recovery, the sleep, the level of stress, hormone balance, um, I mean, it's, it's an entire, you know, the entire milieu, like it, it's not just exercise, but I think that you start, to, you start to link the importance of each of those things and they all tend to get better when one gets better. So the harder you work out, the more productive you are through your day and maybe you're, the more accountable you are with what you eat because you're like, man, I had that amazing workout. I don't want to waste it now by ruining my, you know, my metabolism with all this junk food. And then you're you're wiped out at the end of the night, and you sleep a lot better because you do right. You're more tired, and then you have these endorphins. Your mood's better, so your stress levels lower. Like immune system's improved. You know, all of these things improve even by just improving one of those aspects of your life. So sometimes I feel like I just get people to just just try right. So just use the stairs, park further away, instead of drinking a diet a Pepsi every single day. Let's just switch to diet Pepsi this week. And then next week, let's go from one every day to one every other day. Like very small changes lead to such a very small choices lead to such huge changes. And I think in medicine, a lot of times, and with physicians, um, we get sort of caught up on this, you know, we overthink things too much, you know, it just, just make a simple choice. Just make a simple commitment every day to be a little bit better than you were yesterday on something like, workout or your meals or your sleep or, you know, whatever it may be, get your charts done on time, you know, make the phone calls, get the emails, like just pick one thing and just chop away at it, you know, a little bit at a time. And eventually the things that you really enjoy, you'll get better at. So you'll find out that, Hey, actually, I kind of like leg day. That's, that's pretty all right. I like how that makes me feel. And so then the next week leg day gets even better.
0: Yeah. You know, you made me think of a couple things of, of this, part of the social anchor, your buddies on Friday going to the gym. There's 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 a component, especially for those that have a hard time and just on their own from habit over the years, maybe they hadn't been working out at all. Um, you know, this, like CrossFit's an example. Of course, mm-hmm. unfortunately, people are very naive to working out and don't understand Delayed onset muscle soreness, or if they go too fast, too much, the body's not adapted well. They could injure themselves. Um, and really listening and understanding their body when they're distracted by the social interaction, or just because peer, you know, people watching you, and you just yeah. want to do what everyone else is doing. Um, yeah. But nowadays, it's probably not as much of that with the whole, you know, pandemic era. But even Peloton, like I'm noticing, physicians online in groups that are really digging it. And 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 there's a social interaction, so I, I guess I bring it up for physicians that are really struggling, maybe to just get started, and if they can find someone they like, or maybe try something new uh, like Peloton, or I'm not you yep. know promoting anything yeah. particular, but there is there's some power in that to create an association of positivity with fitness or exercise,
1: and accountability too, right? Yeah. So I mean. I, and unfortunately I don't have the opportunity to work out with buddies anymore just because my schedule is crazy. Yeah. Um, so my Friday night workouts with my friends, that's a thing of the past. That's, <laughs> you know, that's 15 years ago, but yeah. Um, but I do think you're absolutely correct that there is a lot of, there is a lot of social anxiety that revolves around fitness. I mean, there's, there's lots of studies that talk about that and people will have preconceived notions about what is or isn't acceptable. And you know, it can be, it can be pretty uh, daunting and, and intimidating, but there's something for everyone. There's a way for you to find, you know, your form of, of exercise that you enjoy. And I think that that's critical. Like, I think, you know, a good mix between resistance exercise and aerobic exercise is important for everyone, but, but not everybody likes lifting weights. Not everybody likes late onset muscle soreness. Not everybody <laughs> likes going for four hour Peloton rides. You know what I mean? But you can find something. And so I think that that's important too, is understanding what your goal is, what you enjoy and what you, you know, what is available to you and what what type of accommodations you need to make in order to, to be successful.
0: Yeah. And it's okay as a physician not to understand how to work out or know what to do. I think there's this, you know of course you see everything on the tv it says ask your physician about this you know nutrition and fitness and i'm like okay the things you don't learn in medical school i mean yeah. i i just i think it's okay to just let physicians know it's all right um to ask for help to you know get help with your own fitness and be guided yeah. kevin
2: 100%. I was gonna because that's come up a number of different times and we just actually talked to somebody about this actually heather a couple days ago dr dr about coaching and the importance of coaching and if you are uncomfortable beginning a workout program, get a coach, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Get, Cause then you've got, you've got someone who can guide you, that can help you to optimize, to help you plan, to help you adapt and provide accountability. So it, a lot of ways you got, it seems like an ideal solution if this is something that you actually are wanting to do.
1: I think that that's a, an, an, a very important point that doctors know a lot. They go through lots of training, lots of school, but we don't know everything, and that is okay. I can't count the number of times in a day in clinic I tell people I don't know exactly what's wrong, but I think it's this, right? So that happens in our jobs. Why wouldn't it happen outside of our jobs? It's okay to say I don't really know how to do a snatch. I'm not really sure what a hack squat is. I don't know how much I should be lifting or running or whatever. I'm not exactly sure what my nutrition value or, or, or my nutrition needs to be. Um, so it's okay to get help. And I think that in looking for a coach, it is really important to find someone who has credentials and who has experience and understands anatomy and physiology, because you do know a lot, right? So the gym that I work out at, and I'm the medical director for the gym and I oversee all the personal trainers and I help with like a um, personal training clients. So the people will come in and say, well, I've had a rotator cuff tear or I have Crohn's disease or. I've got diabetes or whatever. And I want to work out, I want to get in shape. And so I'll help the trainers and they'll say, well, he's got this. And I'll say, well, in that case, change these things and they ought to be just fine. And then we work back and forth. And our gym has per capita more physicians than any other gym I've been to working out in that setting because they're getting the type of coaching. That's number one, educated, reasonable, goal oriented and, and um, flexible for their schedules. And so, it's really cool to walk in the gym and see a bunch of colleagues, a bunch of people that I recognize from the hospital. And it creates an environment of, of professionalism and it creates an environment of, you know, maybe just that, that next level of credibility that the coaches are actually helping someone who has a higher degree, you know, a, a physician has a higher degree than the personal trainers, but they're able to work together in, in coming into a common goal. So I think it's absolutely okay to learn from somebody else who may not have the same level of degree that you have, but maybe they don't know as much about as much, but they might know a lot about a little that can really help you in some of the gaps that you have. So I think getting a coach and helping and helping with nutrition and exercise is, is really great. I think just in closing, or I mean, cause I know Kevin's got to go and we've got some things to work on, but I think that, I think that it's really important for physicians. I think just closing statement, we all know that, Um, for lack of a better term, obesity is probably the single most preventable and modifiable risk factor that that we as Americans are struggling with. And we all know that. We all know that doesn't matter what aspect of medicine you work in, improving people's, people's metabolic profile improves their longevity in life. doesn't matter if it's orthopedics or if it's pathology or OBGYN, it doesn't matter what industry you're in in medicine. Helping people have the appropriate body composition is critical. And it is really difficult for patients to accept the information from a physician when they don't feel like the physician believes it themselves or lives the lifestyle. And I, I've seen this, and I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or casting dispersions, but if a doctor smokes and tells you to quit smoking you're not going to listen to him because you're like that doc's telling me to stop smoking, but he's smoking. He doesn't really, he doesn't really believe it. I don't really think what he's saying is, is real or true. So I think that it makes it, it, your actions speak so much louder. Your, 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 you know, your example speaks so much louder than your words sometimes. Like if you, if you show people that you're willing to do it yourself and you're trying that, that carries so much more weight and you don't have to go from, 0 to 60 you don't have to go from a from a you know someone who's out of shape and doesn't work out to being an Olympian in 2 days it doesn't happen that way but just the process and trying i think makes such a huge difference i've seen so many people who you know i had a couple of physicians that i've trained over the years that have lost 50 60 pounds and now their patient population sees that as well and just it's gangbusters like it's infectious so i would say if anyone who's listening today is concerned about where to start don't worry just start just start work today on improving your nutrition improving your exercise move more you know have the confidence if you don't have the confidence get a coach get a group of people to work out with find a peloton buddy you know listen reach out to people through social media like there's so many avenues now find find the crutch if you need the crutch find it lean on it until you don't need it anymore after you learn to walk run and once you run don't stop and keep lifting don't skip leg day (laughs)
0: that was awesome kevin
2: you know the don't skip leg day oh boy i love it
1: (laughs) today's leg day for me and that's why i'm sitting down not standing the 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 old wheels are a little shaky that's
2: awesome now, uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Caleb, for joining us today. This was a fantastic interview. A lot of little little hints and strategies in there, whether you are on one end of the spectrum or another end of the disruption or just want to get started there. Oh, we forgot to mention, where can people find you, Caleb?
1: Yeah, so um, on Instagram, my name is MuscleDoc underscore KR. And um, that's probably the easiest way for people to kind of follow along. And then The gym, the medical, I'm the medical director for the Mecca gym, which is in Meridian, Idaho. And they do online training. They do online coaching. They do, you know, nutrition. I mean, they do it all. They're really phenomenal trainers. All of our trainers are, you know, either have a master's or a doctor. They're working on it. You know, they're all educated people who have a lot of experience. And so I'm I'm there at the Mecca gym. You can find me on their website, but also on Instagram, muscle doc underscore KR.
2: So um, oh, I'm actually extending this by two seconds here to ask with the Mecca gem and given the COVID sort of epidemic that or pandemic that we're in right now, uh, and you're doing online coaching, would that mean that people in other areas other than Meridian could potentially get coached?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we've got clients all across the country, actually across the continent.
2: Uh, I think that's important because you've described a, a wonderful situation where you've got a physician who's in a role of being able to work directly with the coaches who can then be working directly with physicians And we're in this era where you're stuck you know you're not supposed to be really in a gym anyway which makes a, you know kind of makes a lot of sense when you're looking at some of the way COVID's playing out but um, awesome you know thank you Caleb for coming on today Absolutely. for everybody else out there. This is Dr. Kevin Cucaro and my co-host Dr. Melissa Katie. This is The Change Physician, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank
0: you for joining us today on The Change Physician podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.